Jim, welcome to Podcast Man. It's an absolute pleasure to have you on board, dude. Thank you very much, Matt. I appreciate you having me. Nice. I hope that things are going well there. Yeah, yeah, surviving, surviving. Still trying to kind of make do with what we can with all this, uh, with all this COVID stuff. So unfortunately, I don't have access to quite the beautiful gym garage setup that you have, but I'm making do with my power yeah. rack and, uh, and whatever I've got in the back garden. So yeah, it's, it's, it's not doing too bad, man. Not doing too bad at all. Good. So it's... Yeah, we've been very uh, lucky... Uh, because the garage gym is, uh, I work with the high school football team. I live in a very small town, 10,000 people, and it's very isolated from uh, other parts. So we have, for example, where I live, and then there's about uh, 6,000 cornfields and then a, another uh, <clears throat> another city. So uh, in small towns, things operate a little differently here. <laughs> and uh, there we go. And uh, so... To make a long story short, we've been <clears throat> defying the COVID bullshit, and the football team comes here. Sweet. And, okay. Uh, yeah. So it's been awesome. Uh, obviously, not every single player, and uh, but we have groups and stuff, so it's been awesome. So, so how, how are you been, running that? Are you running that just like kind of like your traditional gym room sessions that you would, would be doing, bringing in kind of like a couple of guys at a time, hitting a session, and then doing doing the next group? Uh, we just have 10 guys at a time and we just separate them. So they'll do, uh, some prowler or sled work outside and they'll switch. And then other days we have uh, one group benches while the other group squats or deadlifts and then they'll switch stuff like that. So we have a pretty good group going, uh, pretty, uh, very obviously dedicated because we come in five days a week. Um, but it's been awesome having this resource here. You know, of course it was done selfishly building the garage gym. Uh, but in the end, it's actually helped the community quite a bit, you know, with the football team and stuff. And I know it, it doesn't really make sense to you because you're, you know, in the UK, but, uh, football in America is massive. Uh, and, uh, it's funny because <clears throat> during this, all this quarantine bullshit, it's by the way, it's not quarantine. You don't <clears throat> sick people being held behind bars is tyranny. All right. There's a big difference. Quarantine is when you hold a s sick person. Uh, behind uh, closed doors. Anyway, uh, it, of course, everyone was thinking, well, we're going to have a football season, right? Well, do you know what pays for everything in, in the college arena? What's that? Football pays for everything. Okay. Okay. So you get you eliminate football, you're, the whole fucking university's done. So, of course, they're going to have a football season. And miraculously, right when things are starting to take off, like, eh, things are going to have to open up, right? <laughs> so uh, It's convenient. Yeah, <laughs> it just, yeah, so, and, uh, but whatever, you know, uh, I, uh, a little, the little rebel part in me still loved it to stick it to the fucking man who tells me what I can and can't do in my own goddamn house. So, uh, you know, I'm 45 years old and I told, uh, my wife, I'm like, I feel like I'm fucking 16 again. Fuck the man. <laughs> they don't get to tell me what I can and can't do. And, and you know, what's crazy. No one's sick. And everyone's healthier because they're in better shape. Crazy. Everyone's moving more. Yeah, imagine. And they're out in the sun. Man, I wonder if vitamin D has anything to do with health. Oh, you might be up to something there, Jim. Yeah. <laughs> I think we're up to something here. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's interesting, man, you know, uh, kind of talking about uh, kind of like football and whatever. What a lot of people don't realize is, you know, especially a lot of those college guys, this is their like one big fucking shot. So yep. to have this land when it's landing, like obviously you, you think about all of the, the, the guys that, you know, uh, are much younger, they don't really have to worry about it. But for the guys that are in the limelight right now, you know, guys that are trialing for, for, for big teams, this is potentially yep, life-changing, you know, especially if someone yep. isn't uh, in a fortunate position like you guys are where you're like, okay, fuck, I can still hop down gym, Jim's garage yep. and we, we, we can still train like the fact that you've then been able to do that like that's what I love about you and that's what I love about you know all of you guys is that it, it's such a part of your lifeblood that you will do everything and anything to keep it going and you know it just goes yeah. to show that you know these guys are coming out the other side of it better off for you actually being a little bit selfish and you have potentially yeah. then given them that opportunity back. What happens if someone goes gets gets drafted? They play in the NFL. They have an incredible life. It's like fuck, man. If you didn't have this season now, where you you're doing that with them, yeah, 
Well, it's, it goes it goes well even beyond the uh, the uh, practical of a guy getting bigger, stronger, faster, all that stuff. Uh, yes, hold on one second. Are you gonna turn that off, Dave? Okay. Uh, just the uh, watching these kids come out of the bullshit quarantine, um, the camaraderie. They needed the human contact. Um, football is a different. Uh, it's a very physical, violent sport, and these kids are together 24—not 24. I mean, seven days a week, they're always together, basically. Uh, they and they've known each other since elementary school. Most of these kids, and uh, <clears throat> males especially, need that bond. Uh, they need that bond with a violent um, uh, struggle. That's why war is so attractive to young men. They don't like the PTSD, and they don't want to die, and they don't want to see their friends die. But that's that camaraderie in a uh, <clears throat> during a uh, a physical struggle. That that's what brings the guys together. And I've I watched these kids from the moment they came in. And remember, these guys are all great friends. They look like they were just beaten down, like mentally. And then now they're like the amount of shit talking that's going on, and the amount of just uh, general happiness. Um, so it goes well beyond, you know, just getting ready for football and, and sports and getting strong and all that stuff. Uh, mentally and physically, uh, it's been amazing watching these kids. And, you know, I've known these kids, you know, since they've been freshmen and most of these kids are going to be seniors and stuff. Um, but it's just been a good thing. Uh, and I'm, you know, the reason why I started coaching in the first place, well, it's there's a lot of reasons, but one was, you know, like, we live in a very small town. There's not a lot of resources to be had, meaning there's not like a, a full-time strength coach. And there's like every, all the families chip in. So, Love that. Uh, and, uh, you know, I didn't, I'm not one of those guys that wants to go down to the homeless shelter and, you know, put food in a bowl. I just, that's not who I am. Like my mom did that for like 20 years because she loves cooking. And, but I needed to do something to help the community out. The only thing I can really do is, you know, strength train. And so I started volunteering and it's been, it's given me more than I've given it. And uh, the change in the community and the football team has been amazing. Uh, So, um, and we went from being, you know, and it's not just me, but uh, my, the first season I kind of started, it was started during the season, basically we weren't very good and we went to the playoffs every single year after it. And no one wants to play us anymore. And we get fucking, everyone hates us because we're just physical and we beat the crap out of people. So I'm very proud of the fact that we've developed a bunch of goddamn fucking fiends on the player. You know, I love it. Yeah. I love it's, that. Uh, but it's, it's like, it's in your lifeblood, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? And I think that, yeah. that, that, that was probably set into you at like a, a young age. And I think, you know, well, when that bug hits, man, it's, you know, it's with you for life. Well, the, like, you know, when I first started lifting, it was one, like, <clears throat> I have some friends that, uh, you know, when they saw Eddie Van Halen or something or Jimi Hendrix or whoever, uh, James Hetfield, they're like, you know, I don't know what that is, yeah, but I'm going to play that guitar and then became great drummers or great guitarists or whatever. And I remember when I saw football and i saw like arnold schwarzenegger in the movies i'm like i don't know what's going on but i'm gonna do that shit like at a very early age and so uh and i love football i just even now that i'm not part of it you know of course do i want to still play football the honest answer is no because i fucking can't walk half the day uh (laughs) but uh to be able to give these kids um to be still be part of it and to pass on something that's given me much more than I've given it, you know, the, the training and the football and everything like that has been awesome. And the, the unfortunate thing is high school football, at least in the States and especially in, in, uh, well, I can't say it's especially in small towns, but it's not really cause whatever the point being is high school football is like the last bastion where you have true camaraderie and it's not more, it's not just about the wins and the making money. Does that make sense? I mean, it, there's a bond, and uh, once you go into college football, the, over the years, it's become more and more about the money, and there's nothing wrong with that because 
the kids get great experiences and, the, and all this other stuff, but it just becomes a business. And this is like the last pure thing that we have uh, that we can involve young men in something that they were born to do. And men are born to do two things and that's fucking fight. You know, that's just the way it goes. <laughs> and uh, I tell the kids all the time, I said, you know, you're, you're here to, to, you know, have a family, you know, to, to be, you know, as, as a man, you know, you're, yeah. that's what you're, biological imperative is to, to have a family and you're supposed to be able to fight. And, uh, you know, obviously they've outlawed fighting pretty much. Uh, <laughs> and it, I, and I'm not, a, you know, I don't want my kids going off and dying to war. So I'm like, here we go. This is what we're made to do. And, you know, people want to fight that all the time. Well, go ahead. You know, I have two young boys and from the minute they saw like a T-Rex or a bulldozer, they're like, I don't know. What, like, again, I don't know what the fuck that is, but no one's telling that T-Rex what to do. That's what I want. I like that T-Rex. I want to be that yeah, T-Rex. Yeah, no one tells it what to go to bed. Fuck yeah, I love that thing. So, uh, yeah, it's been, uh, it's really interesting watching my two sons grow up because, I mean, of course, they're kind of in a testosterone-filled house and, and stuff like that. But, uh, like, you know, if they want to play a sport, they can play, you know, whatever. Um, if they want to do this and that, and we've already supported them, but holy shit, are they boys? I mean, boys are just, and we got, you know, boys are boys. Girls, yeah. Girls in the neighborhood are just like, you know, want to <laughs> play with, it's just a weird thing. You know, they, they can say all this stuff about the genders, but Oh my God, like my son, all he want, he, the last two days, he gave away a bunch of his old toys so he can buy more Nerf guns. You know, that is just essentially we, the most boy thing to do. Oh, you know, and we <clears throat> I, I know it's probably a taboo subject, but we have guns in the house, like real guns. And this is you know, we have to safety and stuff like that is huge with us with the guns and it's a way of allowing you know, getting him kind of used to it without obviously hurting himself and, and understanding the importance of safety and stuff like that. So So yeah, for familiarizing familiarizing yourself with the surroundings and it's probably like uh it's probably not too dissimilar. Like I know you I you, like you've talked about it before like getting them to do stuff as well you know I, I think it's really interesting you know when you have the dynamic of someone being a strength coach and then you yeah. have children it's like you know everyone's like so when are your kids lifting like so so, so when are your kids going to do the shit that you do and it's like well okay let's 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 let them be kids for a while first you know yeah, let, let's I'd... let's let them develop that athletic general preparedness before we kind of get them into anything we uh how do I put this? Like, I'm, I'm never going to pressure my kids into strength training because that takes a level of commitment and really want to, uh, you know, but as long when as you say strength some... training, do you mean to like the level that you've taken it to or just general? Strength yeah. Training? Yeah. Yeah. Now, uh, my oldest son is a plays football and he's a quarterback and, uh, he, he enjoys lifting only because it's going to help him play football. Yeah. And I'm okay with that. I'm like, which is you know, how most people get started, though, right? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, my youngest son, I mean, he's shit. He is hold on, seven. And so we just do, we just have minimums he has to do. Like he's got to run a half mile. He's got to do X amount of push-ups and squats, and it's very easy. And the only reason why we do that, besides obviously the physical thing, is to understand that it is important. Um. And you have to set aside a small part of your day to do something physical. And obviously he's running around like a madman. He's in the pool. He's going here, going there, You're riding his bike like a madman. We've got a kick-ass BMX bike. You know, he's flying around. Um, but at the very least, it's part of his day. And it's not like we don't run it like a like he's in hell week with the SEALs or something like that. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, we got to do this and that. And, and it's just expected now. Once we, you know, it got it, when we when we first started, it was like five squats, and one push up and one set up a day. That uh, was it. Uh, I'm interested though. Like, uh, obviously, your kids being young and seeing you do what you do, and again, going back to the fact that you've got that garage gym, like they're around that and they they see you doing that. So naturally, instinctually, kids want to replicate what their parents yeah. do, right? So like, just them seeing you do that stuff, they're like, oh, okay, dad does this. And like, dad's yes. cool, so I want to do this shit. Yeah, and that's, you know, it, it goes two ways. Of course, you have the, uh, the theory of the uh, preacher's daughter, right? Instead of B 
being one with Christ. Yeah, she's one. She's on her back. All, yeah, yeah, <laughs> one yeah. with this. <laughs> yeah, this, this. Uh, so that's why you know we we lead by example. Uh, you know, we try to eat healthy. We you know all that other stuff. And uh, so you lead by example first. And if they want to mimic it, you know, you help them out. Is you know just enough. You don't have to. Um, like uh, for example, with my oldest kid, uh, I told him for the last five, six years, I said, I'm your dad first. I don't want to really be your coach. Uh, you know, that. does that make sense to you? Because yeah, I, I don't want to be, because when I coach, it's, I'm a lot of, much different person than I'm when, when I'm a dad. And I think you and, have to uh, be, and you have to be able to separate it. And I think yeah. that's super important for both you and him. Yeah. And it's just like, I don't train my wife. Like, I don't even want to know what she does. I don't care. You go do whatever the fuck you want to do in the weight room. Like, it's not my, it's not my business because she's my wife. And uh, so, you know, I'm happy that she's doing well. And she, you know, we talk about what she's doing and what, you know, what I'm doing. But I don't want to be, you know, I want to go upstairs and watch a movie with her and hang out and, and do. It changes the dynamic, together. right? Yeah. And so, uh, here's my kid right here. Uh, anyway, uh, so that's, you walk a fine line with that. And uh, my oldest son is, I'm still not the same coach as I am with him, as I'm with other kids. Yeah. Uh, do you think you know, you're more, do you think that you're like, do you think that your attention to detail with him is kind of higher compared to like your kind of general preparedness that you would have with your other kids it's like you you know 100 percent, and you want him to be as perfect as he can be in those movement patterns because you know 100 percent what's good and what's bad and you want to reaffirm that good shit it's the only reason why it's like that because i work with him one-on-one when i work with the other kids i got 50 kids and there's one of me so i would have the same attention to detail if i was working with your son or someone else's son in a one-on-one situation. So I don't know. I understand what you're saying, but I don't think it really changes because I still love what I do enough to, no matter who it is, because it's someone's son I'm working with. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, the, the, it's always like there's a real world. There's like the internet world, and then there's a real world. The real world is when you're coaching, you have an S-load of people at one time. Yeah. And I got two pairs of eyes and I got, uh, you know, 50 kids and, uh, teenage kids. There is like, you could leave, uh, five kids alone in the weight room who all collectively bench maybe 200 pounds and somehow they'll bend a, a $800 barbell. You know, it's like, how did you guys muster up enough stupidity to bend this barbell? Uh, it's like when they're, Together, they're all their IQs are halved. <laughs> I think that's going to match the whole boys will be boys thing again. Yeah, dude. <laughs> it's just like, oh my god! So you know, a lot of so what oh, I'm saying shit. is, yeah, there is a in the internet they'll see some guy doing something as in a team setting. Like, man, if I was coaching him, it would be different. It's like, dude, I also got 12 kids over here. I got 30 kids over here. I can't look at everything all the time. So there's always, it's a uh, you know, the good, better, best, sometimes all you can do is get the good because a lot of times where they start, you know, I, I, for example, I got someone asked me a question if I used the, I can't remember what he asked, but it was something like the so-and-so's power development style of training. Okay. And I said, dude, most of the kids I work with can't even do a push-up when they start. You think I give a fuck? Like, like what world do you live in where we need to be doing eight foot depth jumps? Uh, you know, these kids, you and know, meanwhile, like, this is a person that probably squats just a bar, like bench bar. presses, 10 Dude. kilos, like, you, you know, like you're lucky. Uh, you're lucky. Like, yeah. I have kids who can't bench a barbell. No, as in like the, the, the guy yeah. that's saying, why aren't you using this program? Like yeah. it's, it's all these fucking internet trolls that like, they can't do half this shit themselves. Yeah. Just, they just sit there and just wait for you to get triggered. And yeah. it's like, oh, for fuck's sake. They're, 
you know, Dave Tate used to call them Yodas. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. They, they, only, they only can lift weights with their minds. They can't actually do it. Oh, yeah. You go to the profile. It's like one picture of a motorbike. It's like a picture of their leathers. It's like the gym floor, yeah. a fucking protein <laughs> shaker. And you're like, bro, there is not a single fucking photo of you even lifting in this. Yeah, and, you're, and, and you're slagging off like, I don't know, half Dor Bjornsson's like world record deadlift. And you're like, who the fuck are you? Like, what is Instagram anymore? Yeah. <laughs> So it's, uh, you know, I, I, people will ask me like, hey, what coaches do you follow or who do you? And it's always like, well, the guys I talk to all the time don't have Instagram. And they're like, what do you mean? It's like, well, because they're doing shit, man. I mean, most of these people are working for a living and most of them don't care. Most of them are like a little older than me anyway, because I've, you know, those are the people that I've learned from. You know, they're the kind of guys like they just can they know how to text their kids. And that's about it. I Just, don't know any of this shit. Even yeah. then, they sometimes send a test to the wrong person. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> like, why the fuck are you sending this? Yeah. <laughs> why do you send that to me? I love you, Mom. It's your mom. So, but anyway, that's... Uh... Yeah, it's, I know we're, it's 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 interesting. Ahead. No, like with with the whole kind of like uh, the 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 Instagram kind of versus reality as well, and like it 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 does change the the dynamic. And I think it's very interesting. You know, saying what you're saying about kind of putting the the five kids in a room together, and it's kind of the they're trying to kind of do all of this crazy shit. It's 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 like you know we're so inundated with incredible feats of strength on a regular basis when we just literally open our phone and flick onto Instagram. Yeah. It's, it's so interesting and I think that that's really what kind of defines a lot of the shit you see now compared to you know the guys that you're talking about you know you talk about those guys that are kind of they are the fucking roots of the strength training world um, yeah. and, and you're right on what you're saying like they're so busy doing their own shit that they're not worried about anyone else's and I think that's really interesting no. you know as, as a coach being like okay so who do you follow and you're like man I haven't got time to follow anyone else because I got this team <laughs> I got this team I got to worry about these clients it's like yeah. but but that's true and and that's I think what's brilliant about it is then your unique training style as a coach then has to come out because we've got so many of these fucking cookie cutter bullshit coaches that are going you know okay i'm just going to take this conjugate program fucking excel (laughs) spreadsheet that i found online i'm going to change the exercises up and i'm going to sell it for you know 20 bucks a head for an ebook and you're like oh fuck man like it's so easy to do now but you couldn't do that back in the day you had to know dave tate you had to go to this gym you had to speak to that guy you had to go out and buy your first set of resistance bands and start using it like it's a (laughs) different game now right like the whole game has changed it's it's changed in the the weird you know i got i want to say lucky but i it's there is a certain amount of luck in it when i uh like how I met Dave was I was working at University of Kentucky and uh, he had come in as a consultant and I had already known of Dave Tate uh, and Louis Simmons and all that stuff. And we struck up a friendship. And what's the craziest thing is when, when I first met Dave, and of course we kind of hit it off a little bit because we're obviously uh, we, we have similar interests and stuff like that. But the thing that I always tell people about all, you know, how I got started was when he found out that I uh, wrote some article, like I, I was an English major and I had done some writing. He asked me, he's like, well, do you want to write for the elite? And I, at that point I had already written like 30 articles because I didn't know what I was going to do. I just knew I knew I wanted to write stuff. And I was like, dude, I got them right now. And I was prepared for that, uh, that opportunity years prior uh, to actually meeting Dave. And, uh, you know, I took advantage of that opportunity. If I had just sat back and waited for the, you know, you know, maybe someone will contact me and all this other stuff. So, um, I was able to, to take advantage of that. And every, you know, even, uh, the popularity of, of elite FTS and some of the stuff I've done was all done out of a very grassroots organization. We didn't have a big plan. You know, Dave had a business plan, but we're just like, oh, we're just going to answer a shitload of questions every day and uh, on the Q&A. Do you know what's so funny is that you guys were doing like the fucking 2020 social media strategy, but you were doing it like fucking 25, 30 years before it even happened, man. 
Like, yeah. you, you know, you're talking about those Q&As, like just over-delivering, yeah. over-delivering, over-delivering. And then when you guys finally do put out a book, you put out the 531 manual yeah. or whatever, everyone's like, man, Jim spent so much fucking time with yeah. me. Like, I trust, I believe this guy. And then all of a sudden, oh, he's got this book. Okay, yeah. I'm going to buy that because I don't want to see what it's about. And it was, uh, and, you know, Dave will back me up because Dave knows I'm like the worst business guy in the world. That's probably why I don't work there anymore. <laughs> but uh, oh, uh, shit. It, it was really done just because Dave, like Dave and I, I can tell you how many times we traveled for seminars. And I'm telling we got paid nothing. We got our airfare. Uh, to, you know, we got that in our room. And I think we charged like maybe 100, 150 bucks for two days, like two full days of stuff. Uh, and that was eight hours on Saturday and like six hours or five hours on Sunday. But I bet if uh, you didn't get paid, you'd even still have fucking done it. If they would have, if they would have just paid my room and you know my airfare and stuff and room, I would. I, yeah, I loved it. I loved doing that. And plus, you know, this the the number one thing that I you know I look back now is all the stupid shit Dave and I dealt with and all the stories we had together. Um, you know, in the worst fucking hotels, you know, and the horrible plane rides. And the just one thing, the people we meet are some of them are so effing weird. You know, you're like, holy shit, dude, this is like, we're in the middle of a cornfield with like in a barn. It's like, I don't even know if we're going to die here. And uh, so that's the stuff that I most remember. It's uh, so, uh, but I was, you know, very lucky. And Dave gave me my first shot. And Lou, uh, Louis Simmons was terrific to me. That guy has, you know, for whatever, you know, people see him and all the contributions he made and all this other stuff. There's two things I think people need to know about Lou is one, he is one of the funniest, most personable people you've ever met in your life. I'm taught if you went out to dinner with him and like you and your parents and him, everyone would be rolling is he is uh, a tremendous individual. And number two no one knows how much he's given people. And that's not just meaning an information. He will, I've seen him give people money that needed money. Uh, anything that the person needed, he'd take care of if they needed it. I mean, anything. And, uh, you know, paying rent, uh, paying for any of the gear that they need, paying entry forms. I mean, that gym that, you know, Westside was all free. You just showed up and he took care of everything, all the equipment. So, um, you know, that's part of the, you know, when we gave back, it was just continuing all the stuff. And that's what I'm doing with, with the school. Oh, hold on here. Uh, oops. Cool. And, uh, you know, just what I'm doing with the school is me trying to give back just what Lou and Dave did for me. I love that. And it's, it's man, it's, it's so crazy as well. Cause you know, you, you think about it and kind of you paying it forward. And again, it kind of goes back to that thing is that as a coach, I don't even think half the time, you know, you're you're necessarily aware of the impact that you're then going to have on people's lives. So, like for for a background, so I, I played rugby uh, okay. all, all of my life. I, I played to to a high standard. I was in a professional academy for five years, trialed for the national team twice, but uh, tore my uh, PCL like five months away from my final Ooh. trial. So uh, got dropped by my academy overnight. Like life changed like in an instant. So it's just like okay, you know shit happens you know yeah you know, there's nothing you can really do about it but the impact the strength training and dude like i can still remember like to this day my first ever strength training session in my professional academy oh, walking yeah. into that gym <laughs> and it's like that shit shapes you for the rest of your life so what you're doing when you're paying it forward and you're kind of bringing that that everything that you were then given you know by by louie by dave and then passing that on you just touch so many fucking people's lives. Like you save yep. people's lives, you change people's lives, you stop people from doing stupid shit. I mean, people are always going to do stupid shit, yeah. but <laughs> people don't yeah. understand that the, the gym is and training is so much more than just the gym and training. Yes. Well, you know, early on, like very early on in my life, I had uh, a guy that took me under his wing. I've written about him numerous times. I did a big article on him. And, uh, you know, that, that was at, I don't know, eighth, eighth grade, maybe. Uh, so that would be 13, I guess, 13 years old. And he's the one that taught me everything, uh, as far as training. And, uh, it, I was with him all through high school. He was a teacher and a coach. 
And uh, so he would, you know, his name is Darren. I've written a bunch of articles about him. But uh, I always liked the, the, the best story about Darren was I, I first started training when I was in eighth grade, so the year prior to my first year of high school. And Darren would always be in the weight room. He'd be doing all this, you know, doing cleans and squats and push press and jumping on boxes and stuff. And he never uttered a word to me. Not, not a word. And about six months in, he gave me, he said like a sentence to me. And then another six months goes by and then he finally starts talking to me a little bit. And so at the end of my high school career, I asked him finally, I'm like, dude, what's, what was the deal, dude? Like you never talked to me. Like, and he's like, well, I had to make sure that you were serious because I didn't want to waste all my time. Cause I, he was, I, you know, I've been here for a long time. I, you know, I tell this kid to do this and I help this kid. And then three weeks later they're gone. So he's like, I'm done doing that shit. And uh, so you have to, you know, you have to earn your spot on the team, basically. And I'll never forget that, because when I told when I reiterated this in this day and age, like, ah, oh, what a jerk. You should help everyone. I'm like, no, dude, that's not how this works. Uh, because, you know, even we have kids that come into the you know, football and they, they, they stay there for six months. And you're working with them, working with them, then they just fucking fly. And now it's like, hey, you know, you're going to have to start. You're going to do bodyweight squats and push-ups for a couple months, buddy, uh, until, until we start talking a little bit. Um, and, uh, I mean, that's not exactly how it is. But the bottom line is you have to kind of earn that. Ment- you know, there's an old saying, and I, I assume it's a Chinese proverb because whatever, they always <laughs> They always are. Yeah, they always have something snappy to say. It's uh, the... Uh, the master will appear when the uh, apprentice is ready. And uh, with with Darren that came, that was with it, with Dave, I think that was uh, a big thing. And, of course, you know, people will say, well, you're very lucky to have Darren and Dave and all these guys. And I said, well, yeah, but how many people has, for example. Uh, how many people have crossed their paths? Yeah, and nothing happened, and they had the same opportunities. And it's you know, with Darren, there's he's been teaching for thirty years. Am I so? Am I? I'm just the only person all of a sudden. Yeah. You know, would I go to a school of one? Yeah. People Uh, that say you're lucky are probably the people that are just fucking jealous that it wasn't them. Yeah. (laughs) Well, yeah, because magically people find opportunities, right? Like the successful. It's just, and uh, I'm not saying some people don't have to work harder for others, or you know. but one of my good friends, Matt Rhodes, he used to drive uh, like an hour and a half to find places to train. And uh, he drove from, I want to say, Massachusetts, he may be in Massachusetts to Ohio just to train with, with Westside for a while. And they didn't know him from a hole in the ground. Yeah. yeah like yeah. no one. And uh, so, you know, uh, but magically now he's a head strength coach somewhere and, you know, uh, he's did a shitload of writing with elite and he's done a shitload with powerlifting and sports stuff. So, uh, there you go. Yeah. It's magically, uh, it's, but, but it's, uh, it's that whole thing though, isn't it? You know, kind of what you're saying about that proverb is, you know, when you put yourself in enough of those situations and you want it bad enough and those people can see that you want it, you know, like I fucking heard Dave say like a thousand times now, you know, that he doesn't employ people on their CV. He employs people for what they can fucking do. You know, yeah. it's not about what this bit of paper says. It's like, I want to see what, what you do. And, and yeah. when, when that happens again, the, 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 yeah. the, the, the dynamic changes it. People can see that you have skin in a game mentally and physically like yeah. that you, when you're speaking to someone about it and they're passionate about it and you look in their eyes, you can fucking tell, man, you can't, yeah. you can't cheat that. You can't lie. And if you've got that as well, if you have that hunger, you can see it in other people. Dave has that hunger. Yeah. You have that hunger. All of those guys, all of you old school guys have that same hunger, which is why you know, and it's why you got to the top, top, top of your game because everyone was so hungry for it that when you start getting four or five guys in a room yeah. that are all hungry for it, some crazy shit is going to happen. Yeah, and uh, you know, here's, do you, are you familiar? Uh, he had just passed, uh, I think, in 2019. Uh, Dr. Ken Meissner, are you familiar with him? I'm afraid I'm not, no. Uh, he's kind of one of the, you talk about old, old, old school. He knew the weeders when they were just starting. Holy shit. Uh, 
he owned uh, or op- I think he was behind the old Iron Island gym in New York. He's a big time uh, high intensity guy. Okay. Yeah, he drove out from New York, from Long Island all the way out to uh, the old York, Pennsylvania. That's where the epicenter of uh, Olympic and powerlifting and stuff like that was was going on in the uh, shit. This this might be the '60s and '70s. I'd have to look this up. But anyway, Dr. Ken just passed. He was seventy some odd years old, and he's just uh, he had been around for so long. Uh, and he was so, I never forget this. He was so confident in what he did that he was amazingly okay with people doing other things. Okay. And, uh, so he was big on doing like 20 rep squats and, you know, working out with twice a week, just as hard on every, you know, one hard set a week, whatever. And, uh, someone had told him this was, I had, this is me. I was talking to Dr. Ken. I was very fortunate. I'm so fortunate to have some kind of relationship with Dr. Ken. Uh, but Dr. Ken's like, yeah, uh, someone told me that there was someone's bad mouthed me on the internet about, you know, in some forum or something. This was probably 20 years ago, 15 years ago. And he, so he's like, well, show me. And of course the guy's screen name was like, you know, big time squatter 28 or yeah. whatever. <laughs> and I think it's a like awesome. big dick player or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he's looking at it. He goes, well, who is this guy? And he's like, I don't know. He's like, then why do I fucking care? <laughs> and it, he's like, he doesn't know what we do. And it was like uh, this, like it was such a common sense uh, uh, reaction to something that I think a lot of us get built up. on. like, someone just wrote me some nasty shit on the internet. I'm like, that's not even what I meant by anything, but you know what? Like, I just don't care. I don't even respond. I'm like, eh, what are you going to do? Like, I'm still getting laid tonight. You're not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. And it's, uh, it's, it's, it's so, so, so funny. Like we get so caught up in just like that nitty little bullshit yeah. things that, that, that and have I, such I, a big impact on us. It's mad. And I think when you're younger, you all like the best way I explain it to people is, uh, with like super religious people, the people that really believe in what they believe in, whatever it is, they don't need, they're so comfortable in what they believe in that they're, they're okay with you believing in whatever else. It's the people that believe X and are so insecure about what they believe that you have to believe it too, in order for that, for them to be justified in their opinion. And, uh, you know, it's like uh, one of my best friends is the head. Fo- he, I didn't know him when I started, but he's the head football coach uh, at London. I didn't know him prior to, to joining up. Well, he's like a super Christian. I mean, you know, you know, brimstone and Bible stuff. And I am not. And uh, he never even says anything. to me. I make fun of him. He makes fun of me about it. And uh, but he never preaches anything. He's like, yeah, it's just what I believe, and I think it's true. And I'm like, yeah, that's cool. Like, he's like, I know you believe, and you think it's true. I'm like, yeah. And uh, one of his greatest things he ever said to me, he's like, ah, I know God has a sense of humor. And I was like, why? He's like, because he sent me you. (laughs) Of all the people that could help, you know, I got a million weird, not so uh, Christian tattoos on my body. He's like, yeah, what are you going to do? Like, but it's, it's the same thing with strength training. Once you get to a point where you really, have like a philosophy or principles or whatever you want to say that you believe in. I'm okay with someone believing something else and I'm okay with someone disagreeing with me. Uh, for example, one guy, some kind of bigger name guy really criticized what I do and all this other stuff. And they asked me a question about it. And I said, well, why don't you ask the teams that we play what they think about us? <laughs> you know, cause you know, to, to put in perspective, yep. like, uh, uh, we beat the living shit out of people. Like we we never pass the ball. I don't know if you're familiar with football. We just run yeah, the same yeah. basic plays over and we just beat the crap out of people. Yeah. I'm like, if it wasn't work, then why are we beating the crap? Like, ask them how we do it. So, uh, but anyway, and that's you know one of the things I as I've gotten older, uh, I see like when I started coaching at the high school. Uh, I was nervous, not just because, you know, I'm in front of all these kids. It's like, man, I'm really putting this program to the test. I'm putting my coaching expertise to the test. And, 
it was a real uh it was nerve-wracking because i'm like man if we suck that means i suck you know yeah and uh but it's it worked out and now it's like when people say stuff i'm like eh, what do you, you know i'm okay with that and just same with I see, you know, people attack Lou all the time. He's like, "What do you want me to do? I just all I do is, you know, have world records." Like, dude, like that's what, what I was gonna say is that if you if if everyone was to listen to those people, fucking West Side never would have come about. Aliyah yeah. would have never come about because no matter what, like no matter how successful your training system, there's always gonna be one motherfucker that says that it's shit or it doesn't work for them or yeah. they didn't get any and results. That's okay. off of it. Yeah, exactly. Because there's a thousand other things that you could be doing. <laughs> <laughs> and I always find that weird. Uh, someone asked me to write an article debunking X or uh, do a video with them. And I said, I'd rather ask them, show them how to do Y to help them. I don't need to I love put, that. Th throw someone under a bus. I'm like, it doesn't, like, you're not helping anyone, man. It's that whole, and yeah, like, it, it's easier yeah, to tear to buildings down, down than, than to build yeah. everything up. It's that whole concept. Yeah. And, uh, I, it was, that was when that happened, that was like 10 years ago. And I just had this weird feeling. I'm like, I, I thought about it for just a little bit and I was like, man, I'm not doing anything. Like I, any time I could be spent doing that, I could be spent doing something much more positive. And, uh, I'm not saying I don't always follow that. Cause you know, obviously you get emotional about stuff. Um, but there is a certain amount of, um, maturity I think that comes with that. And, uh, like with, I see it, I saw it all the time with Louie and, you know, we would, as a group, we'd all go to these meets and stuff and just <clears throat> like, what are you going to do? Like everyone's squatting a thousand, like, like, yeah, you know, and get, uh, get out of anyway. that bar and get squatting, baby. Yeah. <laughs> you ain't yeah, got a choice. Is, yeah. And, uh, so, uh, but it, it's, you know, the other thing I'm, I'm just going off on a tangent here. I get, I got, I've been asked this question quite a few times in the last, I don't know, two years, really. Um, like, what do you look like? Where do you get some of your information from and all that stuff? And um, I, I have spent the last, I'd say, 18 months looking in the past okay. to see what people were doing. And uh, oh, there we go. Did I? Okay, there we go. Uh, so I'm, I'm trying to look at like what other people have done in the past, you know, with athletes and stuff. I think we lose a lot of that stuff in the, in, uh, with the, you know, everyone trying to find the latest and greatest. And, uh, so that's been like one of the things is trying to find all this old information, which is hard to come by because, you know, there's not a lot of videos. And, you know, so, a dude, lot no of one's got a VHS anymore, dude. No. <laughs> and, uh, so it's, it's been fun trying to, you know, find some of this old stuff. And I was very, you know, when I befriended Dr. Ken, you, you understand like the West side barbell in Columbus was the second West side barbell. Do you understand yeah. that? Yeah, yeah. The first one was in Culver city yeah. with George friend and bill peanuts West. Well, uh, Dr. Ken sent me and, uh, all these old articles that the old West side guys had written or had been interviewed for. And he, put him in like a spiral bound book. Like oh my he had God. To, and, uh, that's he like the Holy like Bible book. of conjugate. Oh, like, <laughs> it's like the ultimate, it's, you know, the sacred text, thing, bro. Yeah. Just flipping through. And you know, some of the ideas, you're like, ah, you know, to handle it. but they, th those guys were, you know, ahead of their time with a lot of the stuff because like George friend, who was a tremendous powerlifter, was also a, uh, medalist in the hammer throw. So, uh, you know, these guys were still, you know, athletic and uh, doing some insane lifts. So, but anyway, like, I love reading about that stuff. And there was an old book. You guys, you know, the hack squat, like the hack squat machine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there's actually a hack squat lift. That's where it came from, where the, you, de you basically deadlift with the bar behind your legs. Do you ever see that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've done that a couple times, yeah. Okay. Uh, that's named after George Hackenschmidt. He's the one that popularized that. And he wrote a book, and I want to say it was in the 1920s or 1915. Okay. Uh, you will laugh your ass off when you read it because it's like, uh, you know, make sure you do some walking or running a couple times a day. Make sure you're doing resistance training. Have, you know, it was like the most, you know, make sure you work your legs quite a bit because that's the foundation. That, like all this <laughs> shit, you're like, eh, hey, nothing's changed much. You know, yeah. like, have a balanced diet. Try not to drink alcohol. 
And you're like, man, this guy had it all down. Like this could have been like the first book and the only book I've ever written. Yeah, but dude, it's so, so it's so funny that you say that because it's like uh, it's this whole thing, you know, like everything just comes back around, but it's just like yeah. reskinned. Do you know what I mean? Like it's so funny. Like I think back to uh, like when CrossFit really boomed, and yeah. I, I, I and I, I sat there and I thought to myself, it's like, dude, people have been training crossfit for fucking years well, you know, before anyone chuck 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 yeah. a brand on there and all of a sudden yeah. it's a thing you're like no dude well jack lane was uh the ultimate circuit kind of guy and then uh hey babe can you get me the charger and help me keep hold on one second that's cool can you get me the charger for the phone and plug it in for me uh there was uh one of my old uh, strength coaches at uh, when I was in college, uh, he worked with the female soccer team. And uh, he, after they did like their main strength work, they would, uh, you know, do a circuit with like jumping rope in between or riding the bike for X. And uh, so when I remember when I first saw the workout, I'm like, yeah, that's what like, that's not a big deal. And then it's like, oh my God, these guys did a brilliant job marketing this stuff. And, uh, you know, for I, I'm not a very big fan of CrossFit. For obviously, their programming is horrific, you know, hor horrid. Yeah, and uh, shouldn't I mean, be legal. My, <laughs> yeah, and uh, you know, and then people will say something like, uh, "I got charge my phone here." So hold on okay. a second. There we go. Make sure that's charging. Uh, and I, I have been very critical of them, and you know, people will always say, "Well." you know, it gets people out and doing this and that, right? Like that's their excuse. It's like, uh, but they, my response is one, they could be doing a lot better. Uh, and number two, uh, it, uh, what was I going to say for someone that ha I've spent so much time in my life trying to perfect a lot of this stuff, and having them just kind of shit it down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and, it's like painful. It like hits yeah. you in there. And it, 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 I imagine it's like uh, a guy like Eddie Van Halen, uh, who is a tremendous guitarist. And then some guy just steps up and just starts hitting his guitar. <laughs> and people are like, man, that's awesome. You're like, dude, he doesn't even know how to play a fucking chord. <laughs> he hasn't and, even picked uh, it up. <laughs> it's not even plugged in. Uh, so... Uh, you know, is it better than nothing? Sometimes I don't know. Uh, but that's, you know, the, but the thing what, is, what you have to think it, about it, though, it's, it's fan, it's a fantastic resource. And like, I've spoken to, I think it's like three or four international world standard, strong men and women competitors. Yeah. And where have they all come from? CrossFit. Cause they yeah. try it. They realize that half of it fucking sucks, which is usually the cardio. Yeah. They fucking love the weightlifting. They usually get broken or fed up with it, and then they come yep. across. So, like, it's that whole thing of, like, everything has its place. Like, as much as we want to poo-poo on CrossFit, it's, like, it's that kind of, like, necessary evil that has to be there for everyone to go through the ringer to be like, yeah. hey, welcome to powerlifting. We've got three <laughs> fucking movements here, baby. <laughs> well, it's, it's like uh, marijuana. It's the gateway drug. Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah, hey, yeah, yeah. Come on. Come over here and try meth, my friend. It's way better. <laughs> Uh, Tip your toe in the meth pool. Yeah, it, the 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 you know the problem like when we when I personally work with our athletes, and this was like a big bridge I had to get over with the coaches was my our workouts are challenging and all that stuff, but they're never like we're, we don't seek fatigue. Yeah, because what's what the point? Yeah, because then like for example, and I've done this, I fucked up. You know, we try something a little new. And we'll do something on Monday, and it's so goddamn hard. And we, I, that's my fault. And I apologize to the kids. I am straight up front. Though now Wednesday's workout screwed, <laughs> and then they're only good until we go to Friday. Yeah. But we've noticed if we just kind of, I call it, we're just going to mail it in, boys. We're going to have a, we're just going to have a good workout today, and then magically they string together six weeks of good workouts, and they're like, man, I feel great. I'm like, that's how you're supposed to feel. <laughs> You're not supposed to feel horrible. Now, granted, there people or kids are also going to get sore. It's not going to be just like one set of bench press. But I've told the coaches and the kids, I said, if we could, our kids could be in great shape and strong, and they do three sets of three at 135 on the squat, bench, press, and deadlift, and that's all we had to do, that's all I would do. 
So, uh, but my big rallying cry with the kids is we, no one runs less than we do, you know, cause we don't run a lot. We run enough, but, and I'm sure you guys, you saw this in rugby, like the amount of running people do is so astronomical compared to what they actually do on the field. And of course they're like, well, it breeds mental toughness. And I said, you know, in this day and age, it doesn't work like that. It may have worked 40 years ago. You had a different attitude and a different, and kids were more physically prepared. But in this day and age, kids have to feel success. And so yes, one of the true. things the I, I said, yeah. And I've asked, I, I went to a conference one time and I asked three NFL strength coaches and three high-end Division One football strength coaches I asked them, compared to 20 years ago, what's your running volume like? And all of them, like, dude, it's like you know, a quarter. Like, <laughs> yeah. And it's like, it's just people aren't, you know, they don't have the physical background that the kids had. And then, but anyway, to make a long story short, like, we don't, I, I don't know how they do rugby practice, but I'm going to assume it's very much like American football where you guys would go practice and at the end you go run sprints, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Depend, depending right. upon how much the coaches fucking hated us that day. Yeah, right? So <laughs> we did that. Uh, when my first year, I didn't really have control of any of this. And then my last, my every year after that, I'm like, we're cutting that all out. No conditioning. We're done. Uh, because the kids are out there for two and a half hours playing, you know, practicing. And, uh, of course, everyone's like, what? What are you doing? I'm like, we're done. Like, the kids are running around. They're fine. So we make a deal with them. They say, you play great on Friday, then you're fine. You get, you know, uh, you pass the test. And the way that I sold this to the coaches, what I said, if we all had a bench press contest on Friday, that's when we play high school football games is Friday. Would you want to bench Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday as heavy and as hard as possible and expect to do well on Friday? And like, no, that's stupid. I'm like, aha. Right. And uh, so, <clears throat> but anyway, to make it, uh, to simplify it, you know, we really started looking at like the common sense aspect of it. Like the kids are out practice for two hours running around. Why you need to be doing any more? That's a lot of work. Um, and, uh, but uh, anyway, it's it's interesting because I when I was in shit, where did we we went to the Bahamas? I think I don't know. Maybe we went to the Bahamas or something. I can't remember. It was somewhere out of the country, and I, there was rugby playing. And I I don't really watch rugby, and I was <clears throat> fascinated because uh, the difference of tackling is insane. Because in American football, they just you just put your head down just and run up. into people. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's dangerous, man. I don't, you know, I love it, but it's like, Holy shit, dude. Uh, yeah, I can and I was surprised how the majority of the, in, 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 in the NFL and stuff, the linemen look a certain way. Yeah. And the quarter, like everyone on, you know, everyone has, uh, so if you're five nine one sixty, you're not going to play line. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> and in rugby, it's like everyone was like the same basic, for the most part. I mean, yeah, yeah. Well, you got like, you got and... rugby league and rugby union. Like rugby league, literally everyone. It's like fucking someone just hit copy and paste on like fifty yeah. people. It's, it's ridiculous. Union's a little bit different, but yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah, you're always going to have the outliers on either side. Like there was one dude who was like two. 80. He was Samoan, of course, because, you know, God forbid a Samoan weigh under 300 pounds and not want to take off your fucking head. Uh, yeah. We had a bunch of Samoans on uh, when I played at University of Arizona uh, on our team. It's Jesus, they're so fucking big. Just insane. And, like 75 oh. pounds a leg. Just, uh, yeah. just, but they can <laughs> run like yeah. sub 540 meter dash. And you're like, yeah. wait, what yeah. the fuck? How did you get yeah. all of that out of them? Like, it's so crazy. Yeah, we, we, yeah, much, yeah, they got those ridiculous, massive t leg tattoos, you know, that were done with, like, the, the chisel. Yeah, and, like, like they oh, were done God. when they were, like, 10 years old, and you're yeah. like, oh, man, like, I don't, I don't, I don't even want to go near you. Yeah, I do the yeah. amount of times I stepped onto a pitch, and I'd see, like, yeah. a big, big islander, and I'm like... Oh man, this is gonna be a fucking long day. <laughs> just like I know, if he runs in my channel, then I can't, I can't get out of it. I just gotta take him to the floor and hope it goes well for me. But it was, it was awesome. Watch just from a uh, strength coach perspective, uh, the running is a lot different than, not a lot different, but it was fascinating watching rugby. And 
you know, I went over to Ireland probably 15, 12 years ago for a seminar. And I, obviously, uh, rugby was the biggest sport there. Yeah. yeah. And that's what I was told anyway. Um, and it was, it was such a weird thing because in America, you have basketball, NBA, you have the, like it literally rules the world here. Like yeah. if, if LeBron James or Michael Jordan says something, they was like, what, what, hold on. Yeah. And over there is like, Hey, you know, what are you going to do? You know, like the Cowboys lost. Like, what do you, <laughs> like, Oh my God. What? And, uh, but uh, it would be awesome to be to go to a uh, a country and kind of rework their strength and conditioning program for the rugby and to see. Uh, and I'm not saying maybe somewhere where they don't have that and see what you can get out of it. Uh, uh, it I think it would just be fascinating to do that. Um, so I don't know. It's I love it. I love the violence of sports like that. There's just something about it. I don't know. Yeah, it's uh, it's uh, and again, it's it's really interesting because it's 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 kind of going back to that. It's it's the whole kind of like that cathartic release, you know, in the yeah. gym and being on the field, you know. As I, I mean, I don't I don't play anymore. I, I stopped about eighteen, nineteen, um, post injury, and it was like, man, when you don't have that, it's like there is a void in your life, yep. and like and and I thought, you know, I'm gonna be okay. I'm gonna be okay, and it's like three, six months go past. I'm like, oh, I'm okay. It's like, okay, nine months go past. I'm like, man, I'm getting a little bit itchy now. And it's like a year goes past. I'm like, man, I could just put my fist through a fucking drywall for no reason right now. And it's like, no, like you don't understand, especially if you've done that from a young age, like you need to have that. It it, it becomes a necessity or you kind of lose yourself. I, in it's, it's, uh, my wife always likes to say when people start getting upset about the UFC and, all that stuff you know her thing is like i'm glad those people have somewhere to go i don't want chuck liddell walking around <laughs> god can you yeah. imagine just taking <laughs> people's head offs in bars <laughs> just like walking down you the said, main what? street yeah i'm like I, I, those people uh, and I, it's funny because uh uh those people are bred differently and i always tell the kids you know uh the ufc is the only job in the world where you're 100 percent gonna get punched in the head in your job <laughs> like and it right i mean it's insane yeah yeah and uh i you know those kids when i address them on the friday right before the game i get together and i talk to them about stuff and you know one of the things is like you guys have are doing something that most of these people in the audience will never do and that's when you're playing in front of a large group and the, the people get upset with you or you know or you can be cheered and stuff it's nerve wracking. And I'm sure you know that, you know, where yeah. the, uh, the attitudes of a community rest on. And people say, well, that's a large burden to put on kids. I'm like, it's an awesome burden. Like they start to learn how to work with pressure and understand the realities of failing and, uh, succeeding. And it's, you know, uh, all the, it's like, Hey, all that work I put in, look at this. Like I, there was a result. And, and uh, in that moment, so. you also have to be so fucking vulnerable as well. Like that's yeah, that's, that's, that's another thing. Like people don't understand and people don't respect it is that you know if if you're turning up to play, you know that that person could have literally started playing. Like I I started playing rugby when I was six years old. You know, by yeah. the time I'm eighteen, like I've put in the vast majority of my life into this sport. <laughs> yeah. When I step out onto that field, that's my whole life is represented in that moment. Yeah. And it's like, Every, well, if you yeah. then have a bad game or whatever, it's like, dude, that like people don't understand how badly that cuts you as a, as an athlete because it's like, no, this is this is everything. This is every every single time I fucking threw up after that hell training yeah. session. Every single time I woke woke up and I could barely walk because my legs were so jacked up from that strength session. Like every single one of those moments goes into every single game. Like, and I don't think people that haven't been there and kind of been kind of taken through that ringer, they'll never understand that. Well, it's, you know, they always tell you, well, it's only a game. And then I referenced the point that uh, when uh, LeBron James signed with Cleveland Cavaliers, he came back to Cleveland. Uh, you should understand LeBron is from that area. Yeah. The boon to the economy almost immediately was like, like estimated in the billions, like, or something like that it was so crazy. And, uh, 
there is a famous uh, football player in Texas named Johnny Manziel, very polarizing figure. You know, he acted kind of like an e egotistical jerk, and then he was just a tremendous player. And uh, some economic, like, and he got a lot of shit because you know, he wasn't going to class and all this other stuff. And people were saying, "Well, he gets treated differently." And some guys sat the, the uh, one of the economists uh, in that co uh, school sat down and said, "Well, how much money does this kid bring to this community?" And I think one year was like five hundred and fifty million. Holy and it's like you know what you know why he's treated differently <laughs> yeah you know, if you're like was, and uh... here's your numbers <laughs> Boop! Right. big fat zero and you're like yeah. and that's why you have this job so shut the fuck yeah. up and uh, get your yeah. pen out <laughs> so when they say it's only a game i understand like, as if you just showed up oh, on friday yeah hit a couple scratches did a, cu did a couple windmills and like eh, let's see what yeah, good to go let's see yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Right. hope we come uh, out of this one with a double you guys yeah. <laughs> right. hey what's your name again yeah. I don't know who you are. so the guy in the black and white he's the ref yeah <laughs> okay and we're going that way i'm good does he call who calls the play <laughs> yeah yeah has anyone got a spare, spare set of boots? I left mine in the car. Uh, <laughs> but, that is, it's yeah. a, it's a, yeah, yeah. It's, it's really, really interesting. I'm a, I, I love, I love to finish uh, the, the podcast up in a particular yep. way. And I'm super interested to, to, to hear what you have to say, because I know you've been through a lot and I know that it, it definitely does kind of change you and it, it changes the way that you think about things. So the question is this, I want, for a second for you to uh, imagine that you're going back in time you're stepping into a time machine you're going back in time and you're going to visit your younger self 10 11 12 years of age you know um the the rest of your life is ahead of you there's a lot of shit to come that you have now been through you've come out the other side you get to spend a few moments with your younger self and you get to kind of reiterate a few words of wisdom a bit of knowledge a mantra to live by what information, what do you impart onto your younger self to help you to weather the storm of everything that is about to happen to you? Uh, I would probably say three things to myself. One, just relax. I was, uh, I don't suffer from anxiety or anything like that. Uh, but I was so terrified of being average or terrified, I'm terrified of not reaching my goals. And it probably worked out in my favor because like it got to the point where I was just feverishly training and whatever. And I would just tell myself, just relax because it's going to be okay. Um, even when I was in college, it was just like a bundle of nerves. Now I probably didn't show it all the time, you know, cause I just, you know, but uh, number two, would be never my dad preached this to me from a very young age because he was a teacher and a coach so he was around a lot of assholes and stuff and number two is never follow the crowd ever uh and my took that kind of the my dad told it to me and then i went off mm, this <laughs> yeah, way. Yeah, of course. and i was like well you could have followed a couple of us jesus <laughs> uh but that was something i would make sure because uh and i tell the kids in the high school this too i said the chances of you talking to any of these other kids in high school uh, after five years is pretty much zero. So don't let them influence anything you do. Uh, and number three is uh, always follow your heart and your gut. Every time I've uh, gone away from that, I've made the bad, the wrong decision. And every time I followed it, I've made the right decision. Now, of course, not every time, but the majority of the time. Yeah. Um, so I think those three things, uh, you know, it, I'll give you an example is someone asked me a kind of a similar question. If you can go back in time with training, what would you do? And of course I was, they asked, I don't know, five or eight guys or something. It was in an article for T nation and I was the last one they put. And I said, I changed nothing. And part of me said that because one, I had a great mentor who's like, Hey, you should squat bench deadlift, do a shitload of running Hills and do jumps. This was before any of this stuff was, I was like, wow, that's what we do. Yeah. Uh, I didn't, luckily I didn't have the internet to ruin me, you know? <laughs> and, uh, e even with all the mistakes I've made, uh, 
it's I, I still my I had two big goals and I got both of them done. And I'm like, man, how many people can say that? Like I've worked so hard to get X and worked so hard to get Y. And uh, so like with training stuff, I wouldn't change anything. But I, I, I wish I could have. I guess the other thing I tell myself is enjoy the time. Everywhere I was in my life, I was so focused on the next goal yeah. uh, that I've so, it's not all the time, but you kind of lose that. Uh, I it wasn't like I you didn't get so operate. caught up in it that you kind yeah. of you miss it all, right? Yeah, and it's that's something that that only really. If I came back and told myself, I'm like, yeah, you're fucking, you wouldn't fucking you listen to yourself. <laughs> yeah, you would never listen uh, to yourself. Which which is a good thing too, because at the same time, <laughs> again, I got to do everything I wanted to. I got to live my dream. When I was 19. Uh, I wrote down on a piece of paper like three things I really wanted to do, just not in training or football, but in life. And I got all of them, and it's better than I ever thought. So I was very, very fortunate. Now along the way, it was horrible, but I kept, you know, I kept those three things down. I still, I remember, I was in my very first apartment. It was like 400 square feet, you know, it's tiny. And, but if it was easy, but, uh, man, you wouldn't appreciate it. No, no, and. Uh, you know, I, my dad asked me one time, uh, I don't know how, when I went to play college football, I didn't have a scholarship. I just went to the school and I tried out for the team and I made it. And it's fucking horrible because they, they treat you like crap. And uh, eventually yourself, I earned a yeah. yeah. And uh, it's, they only let maybe five of you on at a time or something like that. And the rest of the kids have been recruited and everyone loves them. And I eventually earned a scholarship. And those three years prior to earning a scholarship were the most trying times of my life. Because like, you know how you said you love rugby, you do. That's how it was for me, except I had success in high school. I was very good in high school. Then you go to a big time college or university and you're like, you're, there's all Americans all around you. And I wasn't yeah. even close to them. And my dad asked me, he's like, you think you could still go do that? And I'm like, there's no fucking way. Like you have to be in a headspace of like base. It's funny because people talk about failing. Like your fucking life is a failure for three years. It's just, you, you run five steps and you just get fucking punched. You're like, fuck it, run. And so it's always about, you know, getting up, you know, like it's a guy who gets up, uh, knocks down seven times and gets up eight. And then you have to go knock the fucking dude out that knocked you down seven times. Uh, so that kind of, I think that, that I miss, a little bit of having that kind of insanity uh and i'm kind of glad it's gone though too because it's a hard way to live and i don't you think know? that there is a more jim wendler way to end a fucking podcast yeah. than that 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 <laughs> statement that just came out of your mouth that yeah. is absolutely beautiful man that has been awesome thank you so much for doing this yes. dude i can, no, thank I can you, see here and honestly <laughs> I'm, i can listen to you like for like fucking hours i'm like oh it's coming up to like nearly 10 o'clock in the uk here okay. Like, oh, okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> but dude yeah. i could sit here till like 1 a.m that's the thing it's like i oh. love it it's been an absolute pleasure having you on man i'm sure we'll do it again sometime yes, thank you so much uh, any, for doing this dude anytime and thank you very much for your uh for letting me have this opportunity okay matt it's been amazing